Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins. Episode number 65. This is one I'm extremely excited to bring you. It is with uh, Spencer Hickman, the owner of Death Waltz Records, and more on him in a minute. Let's talk about PropertyOfZach.com. They are our media partner, and I think that's the first time I've called them that, but they are. And I apologize. I sound sick. That's because I am. I've got a bunch of shit in my face, i.e. snot. So if I'm nasally, that's why. PropertyOfZach.com. They are a great partner. They are a great site. If you care about independent music, go there. Find out all of the newest, hottest, coolest, whatever adjective you want to put on it, information about the bands that you more likely than not care about. And if you don't care about, you'll find out quickly. And you visited the site anyways. So thanks for trying. Propertyofzach.com. And if you're also poking around online, which most of you are, visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. I post stuff in between the weeks that i post shows so you know from tuesday to tuesday because that's when i post new episodes in case you haven't noticed uh you'll be able to find recommendations fun stuff to you know kind of waste your time on because after all that's kind of what a lot of us do online anyways visit there review the show if you're feeling ever so kind go to itunes type in 100 words podcast it'll pop up you can drop some nice sentences if you're feeling that gracious or you can just pop on the number of stars that you care to give the show. I'm pretty proud of the fact that we're close to a five and it's like 4.9 something or other. And that's awesome. I appreciate people giving nice feedback because I do read those and I take those all into consideration when I am recording new episodes and guests and all that type of stuff. So all the business out of the way. Spencer Hickman. Well, basically this, this kind of shows a little insight to my own personal psyche. And I think something that I can equate to being an only child. I didn't know about this dude or his record label up until maybe about less than six months ago. Uh, and I just became wholeheartedly obsessed with what he is doing. So uh, he's he's based out of the UK. He is a person that's been involved in music forever and ever, as you'll find out in our interview. He is responsible for taking soundtracks to sort of cult horror science fiction movies and bringing them to life in the vinyl form and he does amazing work with artists that do these really really cool specific pieces for each release as it comes out um you know he did like halloween he did uh the fog he did let the right one in he's done a lot of amazing scores and you know a lot of people would be like yo listening to soundtracks like that sounds fucking boring as shit i promise you each one of these soundtracks lives on its own even if you haven't seen the movie and you listen to the soundtrack, you could be like, oh, wow, like this is cool. These things live independently of the movies, but then also obviously augment and make your appreciation for those movies even greater. So basically this dude hit two sweet spots for me, cult movies and vinyl. And I was like, I am all in and fucking bought as many things as I possibly could from him. So then I just hit him up on Twitter. It was like, yo, I would love to interview you because I don't know who you are. And he agreed because he was randomly in L.A. And uh, I went over to a friend's house or his friend's house. And uh, we hung out for about an hour and found out we had a lot in common. I'll bring that interview to you in a second. But I have to get two random things off my chest. And if you don't want to listen to this, that's fine. Fast forward like four minutes, then you'll be good. I just recently finished a book called Louder Than Hell. It's an oral history on metal from like the inception to kind of where we're at now uh, by the author John Wiederhorn. And I'm totally, if I'm butchering his last name, I apologize. But just search Louder Than Hell and you will find it. It's like a 900-page just 
epic book in regards to the music scene. And when I say music scene, I mean metal. It's interesting because uh, towards the end of the book, it started to focus on what was happening in Orange County in regards to metal and hardcore. So you bands like Throwdown, 18 Visions, Bleeding Through, a lot of these things that were, um, you know, kind of popping up. And it's weird because as a person who was involved with that scene, especially during that time, uh, just because my old band was playing in conjunction with a lot of these bands, it was an interesting feeling to kind of look at my own self and be like, I am literally a footnote in this book. I'm not really. Just to think of like, okay, you're not mentioned in this book. And like, you know, the ego starts to play like, oh, he didn't do that good of a job. Of course he fucking did. <laughs> he did a great job on documenting that. But each scene obviously has your A-list bands and your B-list bands and your C-list bands. And that's obviously why we were not included in that. And plus, we weren't really even metal to begin with. But that is not even why I bring this up. It brought up these thoughts in my head of being like, where you're comfortable in your life. Like the sort of idea that, you know, we all want to leave some sort of legacy, whether or not it's like a family, whether or not it's professionally. We all want to have these impacts greater than what our life is on this planet. At least most people do. I, I don't know if I necessarily want to have this like, oh, I can't wait to fucking change the world. And like, my name will live on for 100 years past my death. I don't know. I guess I'm, I don't personally believe in that. But I do believe in having some recorded evidence of why I was here or what I was doing, whether it's like, you know, something that my son can refer to where it's like, oh, this is what my dad was into. And then hopefully his children will be able to look at this in context and be like, oh, yeah, like my grandpa was a dude and played in bands and liked music. I don't know. It's just interesting to kind of like read a book and then have something that like you knew so intimately and were involved in and then have it kind of in black and white in front of you and be like, oh, yeah, I know all those stories. Like, that's cool. Needless to say, it just kind of puts legacy in perspective when you read something like that, because I'm getting of the age where it's like, oh, OK, like you can look back retrospectively and be like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Here was a scene. This was meaningful. You should have paid attention to it. And this is why. Great book. Check it out. Without any further ramblings, I will bring you the interview with Spencer and uh, great dude, so much fun shit. Yeah, he just had a lot of great things to kind of expose in regards to starting your own business, using all the expertise that you've built up in your life and kind of doing something new and challenging, exciting and scary at the same time. Here we are, Spencer Hickman, Death Waltz Records. Enjoy. like the, the, the boutique bedroom operations where it's just like you know it's so hard to get that started and off the ground when yeah. you have like a big vision for something if you don't have like you're like who do i talk to yeah you got contact. i know i've worked in the industry for so long right right like, i mean how i discovered death walls and then obviously you as as, as a person was it was like i want to say it was it was maybe like six or seven months ago and this is honestly what gets me so excited about independent music in general like still where you just you look under a little rock and then you're just like holy shit like this is here this exists yeah. this label that releases amazing soundtracks from movies that i enjoy like i just didn't know this existed and so you know you dive into that world and it's just it's great that those things can obviously still exist and still be able to find an audience yeah have a voice nice no, it's, it's been insane yeah. <laughs> right because what, what was the actual quote-unquote launch of it like you like put it out there in the world. Well, in fact, I was at Nam this time last year. We launched the website, 
and I was talking about us, our first two releases, which we got with a band. They weren't on sale yet. Sure. I reckon they were on sale on like the 21st of, my, of May. It's incredible. I want to say. Yeah, in like a year, and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh wow. I know, and we've got some like, I signed a couple of huge things, which are not. Yeah, you're not yeah, proving yeah, 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 put it out there. Yeah. But I mean, like, the end of the year, sure. I've got some US only releases. Oh, amazing. Um, which will retail at cheaper than, you know, than what retail cheaper than the, the. I mean, I, I guess I've been seeing them in stores for like $28. Sure. These will be like 20 bucks. Oh, that's great. Um, and they're huge. That's amazing. And, like, so excited. Right. We, we've worked with, so now I'm working with big major labels. Sure. Getting them getting like huge directors to approve to approve changes and stuff and you're like because is is that is that generally how it works where it's like obviously the usually the master rights lie with some music like some studio or label yeah it's you know what it's different everything's weird so everything's completely different and obviously it's music industry and it's music industry in 2013 so there's no rules whatsoever (laughs) so certain things like John Carpenter sure. owns the rights to Salt and Precinct 13. Okay. So he's just giving me the rights. Let's get to that. We're going to do that. He's going to do all the sleeve notes. He doesn't own the rights to any of his other films. Oh, okay. But he, he's now writing these sleeve notes for all of our past releases, and we're going to reissue them with a full sleeve. Oh, okay. And a booklet. Oh, amazing. booklet inside. Sure, So they're sure. slightly different. And then we'll make that picture booklet kind of available as a PDF to anyone that's purchased. Oh, then, amazing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, I don't want people to have to buy it twice. Right, of course. But when you've got, you know... Yeah, you're like... John Carvin's right. Going, you got this cool shit. I want to write yeah. sleeve notes for this. Totally, totally. So I'm like, yeah, that's amazing, yeah. man, because he's a hero. Oh, of course, yeah. Because, I mean, my only experience with soundtrack stuff is just, I mean, very like, your terrible, terrible, like, major label stuff where it's just like, you know, movies like beer fest and shit like that yeah, or it's just yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. and i i only was like a project manager so people were just like i it got put on my desk and so they're like do it, yeah yeah and so it's like you know you see you see that side of things but then obviously you see the sort of you know the the creator of the art being able to obviously like you said have all the rights and stuff so it's yes it's been really interesting because i've had a really good split of stuff that's with companies sure and stuff that's with individuals like right we're right. doing three releases for halloween like Halloween is going to be like slasher month for Deathworks. <laughs> They're like three of my favorite '80s films and definitely favorite '80s scores. They're phenomenal. That's amazing. And all of those, the rights lie mm. with the director. That's and I'm sure or that the makes composer, it... which makes it way totally. way easier. Of course, to, to, less red tape. To, yeah, and yeah. It, you know it's really amazing. Like um, you can go to certain people. You know, you send them an email and you're like, hey, this is what we do. This is what we achieve. This is what, you know, and, and stuff, especially when you're talking to Americans, mm-hmm. stuff saying, you know, like we have this 10 page article in Spin magazine. Right. And stuff, it really holds. It resonates. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So you go to those people and they're just like, you really want to release that? Like, you know, I'm we, sure they're, yeah, their heads are like, what? Yeah. Why would you want to revisit? <laughs> they, yeah. You know, so. And then it's really awesome because then they get really excited. Sure. Because they check the website out. Wow, this isn't just some like shitty little yeah, mom and pop. This looks terrible. Yeah, yeah. So it, 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 it re. I'm sure, like you said, it gets them excited because it reinvigorates their art to where it's just like, wow, this can be introduced yeah. to a whole new generation of kids yeah. that have it's, never even known about yeah. this. Two, two of these guys only. Well, one only ever did one soundtrack. 
Yeah. Oh no, in fact, both of them only ever did two soundtracks and they were sequels to the movies that were That's releasing. Amazing. So That's amazing. You know, it's like, I think what I always wanted to do is I had someone on our Facebook page sort of accusing me of only going after sort of easy soundtracks. Oh, okay. The, the low-hanging like fruit. That. Yeah, yeah. And then sort of then saying, you know, you're completely, you're a British label, you're completely ignoring British British film scores, it's a disgrace, I don't know what you think you're doing. And I was like, I just release f- scores to films that I love. That's the only right. criteria <laughs> right, right. I've got. Well, I don't want to release, you know, and I was like, I've just had a five-year deal with Hammer Film. Right. You know, like, yeah. you can't get any more British. Right, that is so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I probably don't as much now. As when I first started, I really took criticism to heart. Sure. Because it... Well, it's, it's the so label is a really personal thing, and the idea is all me. It's no one. Yeah, else. it's an ex- it's an extension of yourself. So yeah. by default, it's hard for you to remove yeah. yourself from it. So I totally get although, it. Although now I'm I'm way better than I was, and I can just go like yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like you you do your thing. I'll do mine. Yeah. That's fine. I've always wanted to release stuff that I love. Sure. I've always wanted to mix it with big stuff and then small stuff. Sure. Which is why I released The Devil's Business. Mm-hmm. That film hasn't even come out in America. Right. Like, there are people in the States that own that score right. that don't even know the movie. Right. And some of the stuff that I've got coming up is more niche than things I've released. That's amazing. And that's what I want to do. I, you know, I never wanted to be known as a reissue label, which right. is, like, why we're releasing Maniac. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to the guys about releasing Kissing the Damned. Because okay. that score is phenomenal. Cool. And... I never wanted to be pushed into a niche of being a soundtrack reissue label. I'm really glad now because there's a couple of people mm-hmm. who are now about to release soundtracks and the blueprint is exactly the same as Death Wants. Sure. But, you know, they're just going to do... That's just what they're going to do, reissues. right? Yeah, so... Yeah, you're able to... You, you want to make your mod, like, the idea of the label. It's, like, scalable and it obviously will be... It all can be part of the same family, but like you said, you're not in just that corner. Yeah. Right, right. And that's why, you know, when I first started, it, it was like Colton Horror soundtracks on, on yeah. vinyl. And then I was thinking, well, Donnie Darko and Let the Right One In really class them as cult movies, but then I, I, yeah. I don't know if they're really truly cult films because they've got a large following right and then it was like uh, actually you know let the right one in is i think it's like a love story it's not, it is. and it's just wrapped happens to be wrapped around a vampire tale. right and then i kind of struggled for a while because i was thinking oh, i just don't want to be known as a horror soundtrack especially when you go to someone who's not who doesn't operate in that world because they go oh, i don't know if i want to be of associated with that. so that's why we, i came up with a tagline like the art of soundtracks right because right. it just it expands everything it. Yeah, that i want to do and i you know i'm a huge Huge horror and exploitation fan, hence why I have shining right. tattoos. And, <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, you're, you're art, great you're eaters tattoo. <laughs> but you know, I love film and, and love music. So there's like, and there's so much out there. Oh, of course. That I want to do. Yeah. And you know what? If there's people now coming up who are just going to do what we did when we started, I'll yeah. leave them to it because right. we've got. I've got other things. Though. Right, you want to expand. It's like, yeah, you feel you feel like you've been able to accomplish what you wanted to. I mean, there, obviously there's still more you want to do within that, but 
you've been able to accomplish what you wanted to do initially and then you just want to build off that. Yeah. I mean, that only makes sense. Yeah. It's just and, like, you know, we started to do events now. So right. on Halloween, we're flying Fabio Frizzi over from Italy to play a church in London. Amazing. And we sold, like it holds nearly a thousand people. We've mm. sold 700 tickets already. That's great. And we're in May. Yeah, May. You know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, we do, I'm you, doing... You got a, some time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing an event with my friend, Josh, who he's like one of the premier... Um, rep theatre screening oh, okay. guys in London. So he finds original prints, 35, 16 mil of like kind of lost films and screens right. them. And so he found a 16 mil scope print of the fog, which is like <sighs> mint and unused. Wow. So we've got this church, we're like decking it out with lighthouses, fog, lasers. <laughs> yeah, it's this. an experience. Yeah, So yeah. That, and that's going to be for the album launch. So that's going to be to launch... The fog, the, the fog. Our re- release. Right. That'll be the first time anyone's seen the artwork, which is by Dinos Chapman. That's amazing. And it will be the screening. There's like half hours worth of trailers on 16 mil beforehand. <laughs> and it'll be an event. Right. And it's already sold out. And people, I had an email off someone today going, oh my God, I live over the road from that place and yeah. I didn't get a ticket. Oh. And, and you're like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry so, you just found out about yeah. it now. So we might want to do that. And, and, you know, and Fabio wants to come to the States. Uh-huh. And I really want to do things like that. But obviously when you, to bring an eight-piece band and they have a string quartet. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of logistics. Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes it a lot more expensive yeah, than yeah. it does doing it in of Europe. Course. But I definitely want to do things over here. Right. Like I DJed on Friday night down in a Silver Lake. Echo mm-hmm. Park yeah, yeah. And it was really small, kind of soiree. And, sure, and sure. It, but it was really awesome, like really good. And just odd, man. Like people came out and they were like, oh, they love the label and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow. And it kind of, kind of freaks me out a little bit. Sure. I have to be honest. I, I Well, I could understand because it's like the, especially when it's like, you know, you're working, I mean, like you have like on sort of, you know, the back end of the music industry where it's like, when I say back end, you know, it's like you're not prevalent in a band. That's yeah. like, you know, you yeah. have the support staff, which is yeah, labels yeah, and everybody yeah, else, yeah. record stores, and then you have the bands yeah. or whoever. So it's like, it's weird for you because it's like, you know, you've never, like most normal people don't view themselves as, you know, like an icon. Like, and so it's like, you know, yeah, you have to shift, you have to shift your mental your 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 headspace where it's just like oh wow like people will recognize me for this thing that they're passionate about now. yeah no yeah. it's 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 amazing i mean i i flew in uh, the other saturday yeah and on sunday we got up we went record shopping we were in amoeba yeah so i'm just looking through the racks at amoeba and there's a guy next to me I'm with a couple of friends mm-hmm. and there's a guy next to me he's got his basket and he picks up they live in the devil's business he puts them straight in his basket, and I'm looking at my friends going, "Oh my god, that's buy my records. That's happening right now yeah, in front of me in Amoeba right. as well." So you're like, right. "Holy wow, that's yeah. amazing!" So, and I was just really excited to of see course. someone buying. I mean, it's it's uh, every time I go to a store and I see this stuff on the walls, it blows my mind. Of course, well, yeah, because that's that's that you're coming from a, a place of. You know, you're just you're genuine about what it is that you're putting out, and then when you yeah, see, I'm just a fan as right. well. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'm you're not just, like some dude, you're crazy like, businessman. Right. right. Here's a yeah. mogul. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like anyone would look at the business decision to be like, all right, I'm gonna put out some soundtracks on vinyl. Like, fucking, you're gonna make a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah. you never are. 
But like this guy, he was like, he was further down the alphabet than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. I was like, shit. Yeah. What's he got? Yeah, damn it. He's beat me. (laughs) So that was, that's, that's really amazing. And then we went to a Matt analog and Uh and those guys were lovely and they were like really, really lovely about the label. That's awesome. Stuff like that. And you think. It's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. To, well, to be in that position. The because uh, I mean I, I always like to trace back like essentially what people you know why they arrive at where they're at currently and the uh, so I mean born and raised in the UK like that's yeah. that's what what city in particular? Uh, I was born in Birmingham. Oh okay yeah yeah. Um, Home of Napalm Death. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know all those guys. Of course, of course. Yeah. I mean Birmingham's pretty small. Yeah, like I mean it's, even though it's. The second city. It's, it's well, yeah. Cool. You see, I mean, especially when you look at like artists from you know the UK, and like especially when it's like all this cross pollination to where you know, and I mean, I think it speaks to the UK music scene in general. I mean, even to this day, where it's just like the uh, the scope of what I guess your general band is aware of is, is much more so than like uh, you know. I, I look at like a band from whatever Southern California, like when they start playing and they their their ultimate goal is to be on Warp tour. That's all yeah. they pay attention to. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, bands, just because you have a small, there's a smaller section, they're just aware of more yeah. initially. And so and that's why I think... Oh, yeah, if you start a band in the UK, you want to go and play Europe and Japan. Right, right. That's what everyone wants to go and play Japan. Right, you right. you can buy crazy stuff there. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> and so what was your, what was your, uh, what was your family structure like? You know, brothers and sisters? Um, yeah, I've got a sister who, I mean, she's into music, but not right. like, like my dad was in a band. Oh, okay. When he was really young, and they released uh, like a ten-inch single. Okay. And they had a management deal. And they supported like they were a local band. They were pretty big in Birmingham. They okay. supported like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Sure. So they were kind of like you need to play with them. You go to Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they were big, and they had an offer to go to London, and they they'd been playing together since they were like thirteen, sure. twelve, thirteen. Mm-hmm. And the drummer didn't want to go, so they didn't go. My dad still sings. That's like how he earns his his money. My dad's got oh. like a great voice, man. Really, that's yeah, amazing. He does like proper kind of Frank Sinatra. I was about to say, so he's like a crooner. That's yeah, 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 yeah. He's still doing it every weekend, man. He's got like two agents and stuff. That's amazing. So he just gets kind of like flown to sort of like, you know, parties or whatever they need him at. He goes to Benidorm for like six weeks a year and ends up doing all these clubs out there and stuff. I'm like, like, how old are you? You're not not a teenager. Right. You're like, my dad's a lounge singer essentially. Because my mom grew up in the music scene as well. and, and, Uh And like, I remember like two years ago being at home I don't visit that often, but sure. when I do, I, I just hang out with her. Uh-huh. And like she was watching like Glastonbury or something, mm-hmm. and she was like singing along to the Arctic Monkeys, and I was just like, "Really? <laughs> like what? Yeah, you yeah. know? Well, because right. yeah, you view. I mean, you view your parents, especially from even if they are musical, it's like they're stuck in their right. time. Exactly. I mean, it's funny because I visited just before I flew out. I had to go. I went home for a week because uh-huh. um, my sister's got a kid, and it was my nephew's birthday. Actually, while I was every year I'm at Nami, like it's every year that he's two, right. like he's his birthday. <laughs> yeah, so sure. I went up the week before and um, I had to approve the test pressings for Fog. Oh, sure. And um, we're on a really, really tight deadline mm-hmm. because we've got this event. The live event, sure. So I was like, all right, well, I'm away. I'm in Birmingham for a week and then I get back for a day and then I'm flying to the States. Right. So they shipped them to Birmingham. So me and my dad sat at his. 
Amazing. Like, listen to them on his old like 1970s like pioneer right. stereo. And stuff. That's incredible. And it was just really funny. My dad was like, "I think the Fog's like my favourite of his." Although I quite like the thing, you know, like <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, so, so you're able to bond over that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really fun, man. That's and, cool. And, you know. I mean, all... And so they, so they were basically they as you were growing up, they were making their living within the. Did your mom work in the music industry? No, well? or she, no, she was like, not at all. She was just like helping, yeah, 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 yeah raising yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, since music was such a central part of your life, like how how did you develop your own musical identity? Like well, in the high school and stuff. It's really funny because I grew up being force fed the Beatles. Sure, I can't listen to the Beatles. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, I hate them. And uh, that was, that was really was... controversial, but I don't want. It's, I mean, it's your parents' music. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. rooted in that. I get that. And yeah. then I, like, my dad brought me a guitar, and it was like a Gibson Sunburst. I had guitar lessons for quite a few years, and it was all all I learned was the Beatles, and all I learned was like the animals. Everything you didn't want to learn. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. At the time, it was cool. And sure. The only records I bought myself is that I got my dad to buy me like the soundtracks to the Muppet Show one and two, the TV oh, series. Oh yeah, of course. And then I got the Star Wars soundtrack. Sure. Like a, in a really beautiful gatefold with a massive poster. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially where the label, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. is is grand. You know, stems from. Really. Sure, sure. So I used to listen to that record with this poster, and it was an amazing. It wasn't a shot from a movie. It was this really rough painted. Oh, okay, yeah. Of like um, Attack on the Death Star, really. Uh, like sketch out. Yeah yeah, 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 really amazing. And then as soon as I got to secondary or high school. High school, yeah, secondary. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As soon as I got to high school, I just started hanging out with kids that were a lot older than me. Uh-huh. And they were all into like goth and so I think I probably when I got to high school I was listening as everyone else was at the time mm. the Smiths New Order sure because what 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 era was this I mean what like it was like uh, this was like eighty yeah was the early eighties maybe early 80s, yeah, yeah yeah which I mean and I had this weird mix of, of being into like really new romantic stuff like uh-huh. Japan and then Adam and the Ants and sure Duran Duran and then that led on to stuff like the the um, okay. Like early Simple Minds and sure, stuff like that. Sure, sure, sure. And then that just led into like, I discovered The Cure and then I was off. Was right. Black hair, crimp, back comb, sure. all in black. You're diving into that yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's, I was like 40, 15. I was hanging out with kids who were like 21. Oh, okay. I worked in this really cool record shop. So basically, okay. I used to go into Birmingham City Centre. There was mm-hmm. a record store called Vinyl Dreams mm-hmm. in this place called Oasis Market, which was this crazy place where kids, Shouldn't normal go. kids didn't go, and they sure. were, they'd go, it's all weird in there. And right. Like Zig Zig Sputnik had a shop in there called Sex. And sure. It was, it was just, it just an odd, odd it was the It was the, fr- the fringe mini mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, so I was going in there to buy, like, you know, records, like a kind of bunny man and stuff like that. Sure, sure. And then I used to hang out there every Saturday, me and this kid called Nick, who became friends. He was, mm-hmm. like, the same age as me. Mm-hmm. And eventually, and I know this sounds like a cliche, and I know it sounds like bullshit, but it was like total high fidelity. And yeah. Barry, Barry Siner, that owned the shop, said, Do you guys just want to work for me on Saturdays? Yeah. Because you're, you're here, here right. putting records out, tidying the racks, yeah. talking to customers. And we're, I was just like, Yes. So I, I was like 40. Right. So I've arrived. Like, so I was working in this record store, and it was like, he was. There were two really cool record stores with Vinyl Dreams and Swordfish. Uh-huh. Uh, and Vinyl Dreams edged it for me because, like, 
they had like a massive like thrash metal section, oh, like sure. skate metal section, as well as all the goth stuff. So I really early got exposed to a really wide range of alternative yeah, music. Yeah. I love to hear that because it's like, I think that's so, like I, I worked from like 18 to about 22, I worked at an independent record store down in Orange County. It was like a small little chain. There's like three stores, but same sort of experience. Like, you know, because I mean, I, I grew up in like the hardcore straight edge punk scene. And so... You know, I was listening to like Strife, Snapcase, Earth Crisis, yeah. and like you know, those bands are so important to me. But it was like when I started to work at the record store, it would it just opened my eyes. Yeah. I was just like, you know, hey, have you heard Caius? And I was yeah. just like, what the fuck is this? And like having that singular experience of being exposed to different stuff and making your music view wider, it's like I would not trade that for anything because it's like you do if you don't have that experience you kind of get stuck in a rut and you yeah. don't aren't open to other things it's great that you had that experience so young yeah like, well and that and that was it and then it, it kind of stopped hanging out with most of my friends at school because mm -hmm. there was only a couple of them were really into that and, sure and then you know there's this uh, guy called pete and this girl called spider she used to run like gary newman's fan club and stuff and they were with like, the name like spider i would hope so yeah 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 and and <laughs> And, and, and they were like really a lot older than me, but mm -hmm. they would like, they were awesome, man. They would smuggle me into places wherever they could. Sure. They would invite me to their house parties. So I'm like hanging out with these kids who are like six years older than me and stuff. Yeah. And they're not treating me like a kid. Sure. You know, they're treating me like one of them. That's And that's huge because yeah. it's like, you. I mean, obviously in high school, a lot of the stereotypical experience of a kid is like, you know, I feel like I'm an adult, but I'm still being treated like a child. Yeah. And so for you to have that oh, yeah, experience these guys outside, it's like, yeah, you know, so it was, that was amazing. And then I, from then on, I just, I mean, I was really good at school in, in the beginning, but in yeah. the end, I just was like, I don't really care. And then because I wasn't very good at the way it works back home, I don't uh -huh. know how it works in the States, but sure. you, you get to a point when you hit like 13 and you have to choose what syllabus you want to do. So you Oh really? So it's kind of like a like a how we do it over here where it's like in high school or secondary school we don't really you don't choose anything until you graduate and then you go to college then you choose yeah. what what we call your major. You do this younger. So I wanted to do music and art. Yeah. But because I wasn't very good at chemistry and and math mm -hmm. they wouldn't let me do those two things. Really? Now I'm going these are like the only two things I'm really, really good at. Right, right. Like, this is what I really love. Sure. And they were like, yeah, but you're not good enough here to do that. So I couldn't do them. Wow. So, so then I, I didn't kind of rebel, but I just lost interest. And I was just like, well, right. I don't want to do history, physics. English. You know, yeah, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. I quite liked it. I was good at English. So right. Like, you know, like That's what I feel. I, I feel it's kind of like the default where it's like, you know, every t like sort of sensitive artist, musician type if they can't do that, they'll always fall into English because, yeah, they're still using words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I got kind of a bit disillusioned and I left school and I was like, I'm not going to go back to school. And I, I was really good at cooking. My other love has always been cooking. Oh, okay. Like um, my nan did that. My mom did it as a job. My grandma did it as a job. Oh, okay. So I was always cooking from an early age. I'm really oh, wow. In. So I went to college for a year. To, to sort of learn chefing, but when you dropped out of secondary, two questions about that: <laughs> How did your How did your parents take that? I wasn't. You know what? It's not a big deal. Really, like it is over here. So I didn't. I didn't drop out. I finished school. Oh, okay. And then just said, "I'm not going to go to sixth form." Well, you call it sixth form, where sixth you go form. on for like sixth form. Yeah, yeah. Oh, That's where okay. you go on for like extended studies for a couple of years. Right, right. That, essentially, it's kind of how college is. Yeah, yeah, here. yeah. Right, and I was right. like, I'm not going to do that, and and. and 
I've got no interest in doing that. Okay. So obviously because of your parents' background and them sort of understanding how music works, like were they kind of like, what the fuck is Spencer doing? Like, it, you know what? I don't think my parents have ever understood what I've right. done, right? Until <laughs> until right. a couple of years ago when Record Store Day became huge. Right. And then I'm on TV, mm-hmm. on the news, on BBC One. Right. And my mom was like, oh my God, you're on, wow, oh my God, why are you on like the news on TV? And yeah, I'm yeah. Like, because this thing is a big deal. So right, right. I'm like, you know, the, the, people really care about this stuff. And then oh, I think they've never been, you know, they, they've always been proud of me because I've always done what I wanted to do. I'm one of those people that never felt like I couldn't do something. So like, you know, I put film festival, like 24-hour horror marathon film festivals on. I did a fanzine when I was young. Yeah, yeah. I released a seven-inch by a band from San Diego, a hardcore band from San Diego called Spanacorzo. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So you yeah. released it over... Over, in, over there, yeah. And then, we, and then we toured Spanacorzo and the Swing Kids in Europe. Of so course. I've always felt that you can just... You can do stuff if you want to do stuff. Right. You don't have to... Well, it's, to. That, it's that whole... I mean, it, I, it always gets me so excited when I hear this because it's like, it's, it's obviously like the DIY mentality where it's like, even though you don't know how to do something, all you do is roll up your sleeves and try to figure it you out on your do. own. Right. And I never got paid for doing right. that, no, just... which is why I never really released. I released a seven inch by Spana Corso yep. and then we toured them and then we toured Swing Kids uh-huh. and then I released a seven inch by a New York band called Dahlia Seed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't get paid by anyone. So I couldn't put another record out because right. you, just, you just, and it was DIY. So right. you'd be sending people. Here you go. Here's the 20... records. Yeah. Right. And it was, it was, there was no internet then. This is no. crazy, man. This is like 96. Yeah. And there was no internet. Of course. Which is mind blowing when you look back at it. Totally. So, I, you know, Grant from Spanakorzo sent me the master through the post and we were sending letters to one another. Right. So did you, so you, you got into the, I guess, aggressive nature of music? Like, you know, when, I mean, because obviously if you were paying attention to what was happening in San Diego, like, did yeah. that, like... I, you know what's really strange? I have no idea, apart from the fact that I worked in record stores, so mm-hmm. we'd get this stuff in on import. Sure. I have no idea how I discovered all those bands. Like, Chris, who's... We're in those right. Carly Lennox's house to yeah. do this. Yeah. Me and him were massively into hardcore. Okay. So like like we used to go on tour with like Sensefield or Revelation. Of course. And, you know, we used to hang out with like guys like Quicksand. Of and, course. And, and so it's like basically when any of those type of bands would go to the UK. We'd you go guys... on tour. We'd just go and we'd go to every show in the car sure. across the country. Sure. So like that first Quicksand tour. We went to all, they did eight shows and we went to every single one. That's amazing. You know, and then, I don't know, it, I think when you're just really, like I'm just really into music. Right. It doesn't really matter what it is. What, what genre so, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, there's certain genres I don't like. Right, you stray away from because you're just like, this is I don't get it. Right. Don't get reggae. Sure. But I like hip hop. Right. Which I've never been able to figure out why. But reggae, I just can't. I just it just doesn't do anything sure me, sure which is kind of weird and then i think we're you know once we experience some semblance of a community like and you know that is from like obviously going to shows and being like okay wow like these same 200 people are here to watch this band like you just get drawn towards it yeah. and you seek that out no matter what because there's obviously so many different facets in music yeah. that have that same sort of you know, community aspect. And so, yeah. Yeah, we used to drive to Manchester to go and see a veil. Then you'd drive up to Bradford to go and see, like, Split Lip. Of course. 
you know, I was massively into archive. I mean, I bought this. Yeah. Not that anyone could see. No, no. Oh, yeah, the Texas. The, of course. The reissue, Texas, Texas the reason Texas reissue. reissue. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, they're playing. They're yeah. playing their final leather show. Yeah, yeah. So me and a couple of friends are going to go. That'll of, be incredible. Yeah, yeah. Times. I just, I just saw them when they did the LA show and it was awesome. Yeah. Like I saw did, them like four or five times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they played a couple of shows in the UK and then I saw them. I was looking at the scene. Yep. At CBGB's at a revelation all day. Uh, yep. Um, that's awesome. So let's, well, it just it sounds like that. Obviously, you just you dove into every facet that you kind of like ha- have an interest in. Yeah, it's it, it's odd. I, I think if I drew a musical tree, yeah, yeah. things I always gauge how into something I am, like by how I dressed at the time. Oh, so when yeah. I was a hardcore kid, like we, we were, me and Chris were joking about this yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, last night at dinner, because I was like, we used to wear like Krishna beads. Of course. Shelter and like. What on earth were we doing? Right, man? right. And then everything was bought from thrift stores. Of course. When you're like a hardcore kid. Of course. Stuff. And then when I was a goth, I was just like, you know, black. But everything I've been into sort of made sense yeah, in a yeah, weird yeah. way, like in a, in a in, right. you know, if you trickle it down and, and, of course. and put it on a piece well, of paper. And especially when you combine that with youth, it's like, of course, you're just like, I'm going to adopt every single thing that yeah. I see out there. I li- but I, I like that equation of like, my direct passion for something, if it reflects my lifestyle, then I'm, I was totally into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I, at, at, the, at that time, well, you know, from like early 80s, mm-hmm. 83 or something. Sure. That's when you could go to a video store in the UK. Yep. And... They, you could, I would walk in there as mm-hmm. a like thirteen-year-old kid, and they would rent me *Cannibal Holocaust*. Right, here you I go. spit on your grave. Right. I remember we bunked off school, like, um, and we did a double bill of *Last House on the Left* and *Cannibal Holocaust*. Oh. at my friend Stephen's house, That's and he incredible. was just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, you're like, this was the yeah. best day that we did not go to school yeah. ever. And then, of course, all that stuff started to get banned and, yeah. and, and there was like uproar and then I was hooked mm-hmm. and you know I just wanted to watch every single one of those video nasties and right. my dad had two videos so like I'd go to the store we'd rent it and then I'd bootleg it oh, <laughs> so nice. I could carry on watching yeah, yeah, yeah. it because back then to buy a video cassette it's like a hundred bucks like, man and the rest it was like it was like 78 pounds to buy a rental copy right like dude I, I tried to i i was i can't remember who i was talking to just a friend and i was saying like i remember because i mean I, i'm i'm 32 so it's like i was you know like when i first started to get into videos like you know a fucking gumby when i was a kid or whatever and i always remember i was like mom could we buy this on betamax and she was like they're like $120. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, what do you mean? Like, yeah. but I want to see Gumby all the yeah. time. And like So I used to rent them because right. we had a card and it was about I think it was a pound fifty a night. <laughs> so we I wouldn't even if I didn't watch it that night, we'd just copy it. Which yeah, obviously yeah. is highly illegal. Highly illegal. Not recommended. Recommend no, yeah, 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 because yeah. look what's happened to the music and the uh, film <laughs> yeah, industry yeah, exactly. because of people that do that. But then I, I look at it from the flip side too, where it's just like, because you did that. It, it, I now own all those. Exactly. Like I, I, it, I, it, it has made you that much more yeah. devoted and probably spent probably three times as yeah. much money. <laughs> yeah, because I buy... Of course. I'm one of those weird collectors that I'm like, oh, I don't... I'll just buy this because it's a different cover. Oh, of course. Right, you know, right, yeah. There's a slightly yeah, different... Extra, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's an added DVD bonus. Obviously, with the record store experience, and like basically that, like that, just kind of like once you started to work at that store, that was like the store that kind of you always wanted to work in music I, and stuff. Yeah, and and 
I didn't really think I could do anything else. I loved okay. selling music. Yeah. So and never desire to play like try to actually play in a band I, or you I, just I was in bands and stuff. Okay. But, you know, I've put a couple of records out, but I never liked getting up on stage and playing my own stuff. Because okay. it felt if someone didn't like it, mm-hmm. or if something went wrong, it it, it was too personal. Oh for sure. Me. So I, hey, that that can relate back to our earlier conversation yeah. with the, the way the label. I can yeah. understand. So it was But I'm perfectly fine DJing. Like I've DJed to like Sure. A lot of people. And sure. I've DJed to two people. Because DJed to a thousand right. people. Because it's not your music. Yeah. You're, you're a curator yeah. of other people. Yeah, yeah. Music. And yeah. because I know, well, because I think I know yeah. what's good, sure. I, it's easier to, for me to do a set and play. Right, right, and, right. And stuff like that. And that I, makes sense. I kind of enjoy that. Whereas I don't. I mean, the last band we were in was this. In fact, I've, we've, I'd like to say we were a bit ahead of our time. Oh, it was okay. like a really doomy, heavy electronic sure. film style kind of metal okay we played a few quite a few shows we put a record out and all the song titles were like uh, horror film amazing and the band was called Haddonfield Illinois which is obviously where Mark <laughs> yeah, yeah, is from yeah exactly and this, the titles were like Camp Crystal Lake and stupid bird <laughs> yeah. suit o- homages like to all of your favorite yeah, yeah, movies yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it was really fun and I, I did listen to a track the other day and, and, and which sample zombie flesh eaters. Really? Interesting. And I was like, that's actually really good. Yeah, you're like, that held up. That wasn't so yeah. bad. And that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when people make the joke, like music critics and people that work at record stores are failed musicians. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's completely true. Yeah. <laughs> 100% true. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of like a failed musician, because it's like, obviously, especially coming from like the scene that obviously both of us have an intimate familiar or, you know, a lot of familiarities with, where it's like, you know, that was never the desire to be like, oh, I'm going to make it. That yeah. That didn't exist. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like, how, how are you going to make a career out of this? It's like, what? I never really had a downer on bands when they got signed to a major, because I thought, well, what are you, what are you doing it for? Mm-hmm. Who wants to play to 20 people the rest of your life? Especially when the band's good. Right. You why keep you? this yeah, why keep yeah. this to this small audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I was always like stoked for people who right. sort of went on and So yeah, when those when those discussions were happening in the early nineties of bands, I mean, you know, when obviously, you know, Green Day Jawbreaker, Quicksand, all those bands were obviously like Yeah, become... but you know, that first grit like Dookie, that first major label, that's a I mean it doesn't I don't think it holds up, but at the time it was a great record. Incredible. Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't say that wasn't a great pop punk record. No. And Quicksand that Slip is brilliant. I totally. still listen to Slip. Yes. To this day. Exactly. I think it's an absolutely solid record. A Helmet, Meantime, that's a, you know. Totally. I mean, the only thing you would argue there is like that someone at Inter- Interscope was stupid if they thought <laughs> they were going to sell five million records. Oh, completely. How are you going to market this? And it's like, yeah, then, then you see it's like bands like Orange 9mm getting signed and you're like, what, like, that was probably a step too far. <laughs> that, was, that was definitely the straw that broke every camel's back, where it's like... What In, if... Into another. I remember seeing Into Another at CBGB's at yeah. Revelation or Dare. Sure. And they had all their model kind of girlfriends of sat course. on the back of the stage. We were all going... <laughs> You're like, what's that? This is crazy. Oh my God, Chris, my friend, would kill me, but mm-hmm. I never liked them. Yeah, I couldn't get on. Well, I think a band like a band like Into Another inspires. Oh, you either love them or you absolutely just hate them and don't understand where they're coming from. Yeah, Yeah. and I've never ever got them. Right, but you know, it's fun to go and see all that stuff. And yeah, you know, I feel 
What yeah, if, I know friends that I still speak to now back in, you know, right. through music and, and, and stuff. And I think, I, I really do. I mean, that's, I think that's rare for most quote unquote normal people, you know, to yeah. have these long lasting, because it's like, you know, it's like when people, once people are done with secondary or high school, or whatever, it's like, you know, you have like your one or two friends and it's like, yeah, like there are people that I'm still in touch with that I went to high school that, you know, I'm, I still consider friends. But then there's, I mean, the, the type of people that I've stayed in touch with in the music industry, it's like, I mean, that lasts for yeah. years and years where it's like, you, you just can't, it's just because you have that common understanding where it's yeah. like, okay like you know i mean you and i have never met and then we were immediately let's oh yeah into another yeah yeah it's like, yeah, yeah and we're, we're you we're could good mention good. that to someone else and they'd be like what <laughs> yeah. in, what into what why is that what? relevant why is that yeah. why is that what i don't even know what that is and then it's like yeah it's like where do i even begin explaining this to you it's impossible well yeah because you can't no <laughs> and uh, you know i did a um, amoeba what's in my bag oh yeah and, yeah, yeah. and i did it this week and i I, uh-huh. did, I bought the texas reason album sure and I was like, because I was like an old emo kid, and then I was like, oh no, that sounds terrible because emo is like really rubbish now. Isn't it? And it, it's <laughs> because like they're gonna be like, joke. oh, you're super into Fall Out Boy and yeah. like Chemical Romance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was like, well, I was kind of into like San Diego Screamo, and then I was like, oh, oh wait, no, because now that's also really terrible. And yeah, it's yeah. basically all that stuff is now hair metal. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like the yeah, new Black Veil Brides, of course, right? Yeah, yeah like you're it. just like, what has? Yeah, and I'm like, no, no, I really loved like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, any band that was on Gravity, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Antiochara, of course. If Ebullition, yeah, if Ebullition yeah, yeah, put yeah, it yeah, out, yeah, I'm yeah. into it. Iconoclast, that <laughs> seven inch, where the bass player sings yeah. that one track, "I Love You Less Than Apple Pie." Yeah, I fucking love that record. Yeah, to this a, day, it's incredible. Yeah, um, and so the, um, like you said, with with working at record stores, it was really fun for you to obviously recommend music and like that. The, because obviously before the internet was obviously what it is now where you have recommendation engines, engines you know, recommending a bunch of bands to yeah. you, where it's like, you did feel like that, you know, when you got exposed to something through a record store, either by you just discovering it on your own based on the little yeah. write-up or recommendation, or whether it was you actually physically playing in the store and someone yeah. having the courage to go up to you, who, who is this? Yeah. Well, I, I went to Amoeba, I've been three times in yeah. this last week. That last time I was in, the clerk was like, Wow, this was when I did what, what's in what's in my bag. Uh-huh. I was buying my stuff, and he was like, "This is the best sale I've right. had today." He was like looking through it, going, <laughs> yeah, like, "I get this." Skinny Puppy, Dean mm. Rail soundtrack, like all this kind of weird, you know, whatever. Right. And and I was like, "Oh, thank you." And he was like, "Oh, well, what?" You know, he, I think he just said, "Oh, what do you do?" And I said, "Oh, I run." Yeah, do a label. Yeah, label. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, "I love that label. We're really big fans here." And I was like, "Cool." And he's like, "Oh, you should check out my band because." we do this kind of really dark wavy type stuff and they're really good. And I always think that's really cool because there is in record stores, there is a connection that just because you're in there buying, there's a connection Mm -hmm. with whoever else is in there. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't get that. You don't get that when you go into like urban outfields. No. The gap. No, no. Whatever. I guess maybe comic books may be like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But record stores are definitely... You're buying records. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think you hit the perfect point where it's yeah. that, like, I mean, you could probably say that for, like, a baseball card shop or whatever. It's, like, yeah. any sort of, like, and, and obviously I would, it's a stretch to call Amoeba a mom and pop because obviously it's so large, but yeah. it still has the same tenets of what it, what it began. But any sort of, like, cottage-type industry, even though the industry may be fucking massive, it still has that little sense of community where it's like yeah. a kid can ride his bike down a local baseball card shop and like hang out with his other 12 year olds. And then like a, 
you know, 50 year old guy telling them how yeah. he needs to, they need to buy the newest rookie card or whatever. Yeah. Like same sort of experience. Yeah. Um, and so the, uh, so obviously like, you know, for the, the past couple of years, you've obviously been at, you know, rough trade East and that's like, that's your full-time gig, what you've been doing as far as the record store and stuff like that. Do I mean, are you a buyer there or a manager there? I, I, I left. Right. I know you left, yeah, yeah. but I mean, that was I, like, I, I, how I long did you leave? I left in November. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was brought in to open rough trade East because they had only got experience of smaller stores, like 500 square feet. Sure. This was 5,000. I kind of grew up, obviously, as we said, like in indie stores. But then I worked at HMV for a spell. Okay, got in it. management. Got it. Didn't really like it mm-hmm. because it was, it was too corporate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, I was, I remember like one day playing I Am Spoonbender and I'd ordered like 10 <laughs> copies of it. So I was a buyer. Sure. And one of the buses was like, what on earth is this? And I was like, well, we've sold four. While yeah. it's been playing, right. no one else in town is selling four copies of Iron Spoon right. in 20 see. minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he was like, put Madonna on. And I was like, everyone knows what Madonna sounds right. like. Does this, is this and he's like, yeah, but it's yeah. out this week. And I'm like, uh, whatever. And it's that kind of thing. And I'll be honest, the people I worked with were really cool. And there were lots of people on the floor right. that were really into music. Pretty much everyone in management was not, and they were not. Yeah, not my kind of people. I'm sure they were looking at it from the the terms of it's like that they're running a business, but they are, and, 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 and they and, but and, they were, but it didn't it didn't matter what they were selling. They yeah. could be selling pots and pans. They're just working in retail. And people. I do understand that me yeah, playing yeah. that weird kind of stuff is not anything they would get or understand. So I, I think the fit from both ways right. wasn't perf like wasn't great. Well, because here you were, you were just like, you, you're like, I'm working at a record yeah. store. And like, yeah, I'm working at a larger record store, but I'm still a yeah. fan of what they're doing. Yeah. But back then, though, it was still, H&V was still a good store. And, and sure. we, had, we had like a huge metal section with right. a metal buyer. It was like 30, 30 foot section. We had a hip hop section. Yeah. We had, you know, it was... It was hitting all genres. It was good. And I, I did enjoy it. And I learned a lot working in that environment. Mm. But it was obvious it wasn't going to be forever. Because yeah. You know, I got tattoos, and they were like, "You can't wear a long sleeve shirt. Oh, yeah. You have to take your nose ring out." And I'm not particularly alternative. No, yeah, you, like you, you don't, you don't. I mean, for I didn't have pink hair. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like <laughs> right. Wasn't That's super edgy. Yeah. yeah, and then eventually, it just kind of wears you down. That you're just like, you know, what? Everyone here has got tattoos, and it's like ninety degrees, and we're having to wear long sleeve shirts right. because they're scared. You're not scared. Yeah. Frighten someone off. Right, something. they're buying the newest Michael Bolton and they'll yeah. be like, oh my God. So I don't think it was ever a fit from both perspectives. Sure, sure. That, that was ever really, really going to work. Sure, sure. Long time. So, and then I got out of retail for a year. Got, okay. I got like this really boring office job, like doing this, working for this company that used to sell things for people on eBay when eBay was still kind of new and yeah. people didn't understand. So they would bring us their stuff. It's a completely ridiculous company. Right. People would bring you their, their stuff. And you would, you would go, for them. You would like go, I reckon you could get like oh, you 20 were, bucks for that. You and were then an you'd estimator. List it. Yeah, yeah. And then you'd list it for them. And then, of course, you never got anywhere near what you said. And then you get people like screaming at you. Those Prada shoes are worth X amount and you only got me five bucks for them and stuff. And I'll be honest, I spent the whole year just mooching around on the internet. Yeah, of course. Out of my school. So it right. wasn't for me. And I had a friend, an ex-MD, mm. HMV rang me and said, What are you doing? And I said, I'm doing this. And he said, Oh, ever consider going back to retail? Yeah. 
music retail and I said no not really because right. I kind of like my weekends sure even though I'm bored I, 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 you know, yeah. I like nine to five right. and he said oh right he said oh, rough trade are looking for someone to open their new flagship store and I was like all right I'll talk yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah it's rough trade are yeah. you kidding me and yeah. if you're gonna go back right and I, I went and met them and we got on and we had a lot of meetings and I had to do a presentation I mean it was way heavier than I thought it was gonna be sure yeah, they took me on. We opened the store. Right. I sort of sailed the store through those choppy first few years. Of course. Um, Pete and I, due the original co-owners, uh-huh. are like awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome people. Well, and you just see, you see such a, uh, for most of the labels that have obviously existed over in the UK for so long, you know, 480, whatever, like all those labels that have, such a long history and you're just like you see at the core of it you're just like it's, it's very people yeah these are people that have loved music right. and it's like it just happens to be that like all of a sudden now they're in the, a much larger environment yeah because of the quality of music they're releasing and i really loved it you know i love my job and then right when we originally talked about opening a store in new york mm-hmm. we were like trying to find someone to run it and couldn't find anyone and i said you know what guys i'll love to go and do it. I love New York. I spent a lot of time there mm-hmm. in the 90s. Um, I was like, I'd, def- I'd go and do it. So they were like, that's cool, but who's going to do this? And I was like, well, you know, we'll figure that out. Right. And then New York took so long, like so many years. Yeah. I mean, it really took it out of me. Sure. And we found a space. We lost the space. I went over. I found a space that they were about to move into in September. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... The amount of time it took to even get to the point where we were processing my visa took sure. like another year and a half and put a massive strain on like my like personal relationship. And, sure. And that kind of crumbled away because it was just no one knew what was going on. And I was staying at friends because I was like, I'm going to move next month. Yeah, that's wow. I'm going to move next month. So you were just in this like perpetual state? You yeah, but that. still running the store. Right. Still running Rough Trade East. And then... I started the label just not because I was bored, because that sounds terrible, but because I needed to do something. Right. You needed that outside stimulation. Sure, sure. And I only ever thought, I mean, genuinely, I only ever thought the label would be 500 units. Yeah. We might sell them. It would be cool to do, and I'd be quite into it. And then before I knew it, you know, my death waltz is stuff is taken over rough trade i'm getting into rough trade at eight in the morning but i'm not doing any work till 11 because i've got so much different stuff to do and right i really struggled trying to trying to balance it out and, and give it my best and then it, it and then with record store day as well which i know when did when, when did you become the sort of spearhead because it didn't it didn't start this quote-unquote start the same year as what we launched in the states right we, we did the year after that's what i thought okay so i for, for that, it, well, for four of my five years at Rough Trade, right. I, I did Record Store Day. You were, the record store, you were basically the Record Store Day coordinator for all yeah. the UK. Which, you know, that starts December, we had meetings with labels, and yeah. then in January, bang, and it's, you know, so... Oh, dude, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it, like, especially, I've gone every single year, um, and I mean, it just, in the States, it's just, it's, it's hilarious, because yeah. you're just like, are you fucking kidding know, me? Yeah. Like... These are, you know, you look around and it's like, like, these are people that two years ago wouldn't have any fucking clue what a record store is. And then now are so devoted to the format. It's like, 
that's great. Yeah. And it's also just like, wow, that yeah. like, great marketing. You know, it definitely became a bit of a strain and, and balancing home. I didn't balance home. I just yeah. worked. You just worked, right, right. Solidly. And then... I mean, it must have been impossible for you to maintain any semblance of a, a normal relationship, or not even a normal relationship. Yeah, you just can't. You know, I would go to dinner and, and be on my phone. Sure. Working, because if I didn't, I don't know when I would do it. Right, right. So, you know, I struggled with what I was going to do for quite a while. Sure. And also definitely didn't want to let, like, Pete and Nige down at Rough Trade. Right, right. Because they'd been so good to me. Sure. And, you know, I, it was really putting me under a lot of pressure and I was really beginning to freak out because I thought, I can't, I don't know how, I'm going to have to give up the label. Sure. If I go to New York because I, you know, opening a store and opening a store of that size in New York is like it's five years of your life. Right of course. And, you know, in the end, I just thought, oh, you know, I've got to, got to do the label because right. it's mine. Right. It's my idea. I got to roll Something like, that yeah. I wanted to do forever. Sure. So it was a really, really tough decision. And, and seriously, when I told, I took Pete out and told him, I thought I was going to burst into tears. Sure. And I was just like, oh my God. But the, the, once I told him and the weight was kind of lifted off my shoulders and Pete was like, Oh man, you know, really don't want to lose you. I've got no idea what we're going to do for New York. I've got no idea what we're going to do for the UK. Right. But those opportunities, these do not come along very often. Right. And I've been in your position and I did what I needed to do. So you've got to go and do it. That's amazing. Um, I'm sure I'm sure that was the point where it was like, yeah. oh, and then, oh my God. And then Noreen, who was my assistant manager for five years, yeah. she's taken over the store and she's doing like amazing, probably better than I am. I was. That's She's awesome. awesome. And the girl that they've got from New York's brilliant. And I just think it's best because my head wouldn't have been no. 100% in it. And I am 150% into the label. Sure, so, sure. You know, I mean, it, the label, people don't really believe me, but it's just me. Right. I, I have... <laughs> Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people have this public perception of you having like the staff of yeah, minions. Like, yeah, 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 which is just like nuts. I right. can't afford to do that. <laughs> I mean, I've got Alex, who's awesome. He's my packer. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he does all the customer inquiries and stuff like that. Sure. And he's great. I employ him two days a week. Sometimes only one day a week. Right. And he takes care of all the packing, etc. Sure. Everything else. Yeah, it's running through you. Is me because right. I'm a control freak. That makes sense where it's your vision. I was about to say, how did that work? Obviously, you managing a staff at a record store. Well, because I was quite, <laughs> this, this is what we're going to do. Right, right. <laughs> it, it, dude, it's so funny that you are that type of person because the guy that I work for at my record store, um, you know, because I, I came in, same sort of thing where I was just like hanging out every week and he's like, oh, do you want to work here? And like, if I didn't file something like to his standards and appropriately, like, I've hardly ever been yelled at in my life, like my parents, anybody, and he would fucking ride me so no, hard. Really. I never did that. I okay, was never, I was never like. I mean, yeah, you seem like a, a horrible. Right, 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 right. But I, I was I, always fair. But I, <laughs> Pete always used to say, you know, you're good at being the bad guy in a way that where you're not an idiot. Like, okay, people don't hate you. Right, right, sure. Yeah, you're you're able to kind of like. Yeah, I mean, because you obviously you strike me as a calm person. Like you're not gonna, like. I don't cool. know if I'm calm. Really? I've probably got karma. Well, yeah. I, I, I think age is a tendency to do yeah, that to people. Yeah, it's yeah, like you're yeah. a little mellow, but, but, but you said you weren't yelling at people. No, no, not that. really. And I mean, if I did, it, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was never like a horrible 
Yeah. Know, you know, I'd never do that. Right, 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 right. You know? Just because there obviously has been the resurgence of vinyl and people, you know, care about it and, like, look at what you're doing or what you've been able to accomplish in such a short period of time. And like you said, where it's like you receive a lot of, or not a lot, but you receive criticism and people are looking at what it is that you're doing and are probably like, oh, look at this fucking guy. Like, he's just coming in. He's coming in doing this thing. Like, obviously, and if they do even like four seconds of research know that you obviously have a pedigree where it's not just like yeah I mean yeah. I, I've been really lucky because I've worked in the industry for a long time right I, right I know a lot of people right so it's made it easier right for me but it's not I mean you know it's still difficult sure I signed a con- well I haven't even signed it yet we're signing a contract next week it's taken a year to wrap up right you know sure. so <laughs> in fact I had my first meeting last year at NARM about this huge release sure sure so it's you know, and it's a lot of chasing up. It's a lot of work. Right, right, right. You know? Well, it's a lot of, it's a lot of coordination and the ability to, like, put these pieces together in order yeah. to make it all work as one collective thing moving yeah. forward. And, and, you know, just worldwide um, distribution deals and stuff like that with all these different people and making sure things are sent out correctly to right, the right. distributors yeah, yeah, and yeah, getting yeah. decent prices. And then, you know, the one thing that I'm really super proud of is that every release is like so thought out like mm-hmm. there's a you know like there is a reason why mm-hmm. that vinyl is that color there's a reason for this and you know, right everything so <laughs> yeah it's not just like do whatever yeah <laughs> throw it together yeah no no exactly <laughs> so you know you see other people coming up and doing stuff and you're like that's cool but you know, right i mean for me it's i mean I, we we're releasing maniac the new elijah, elijah wood, wood right right film, which I saw last August, and it like it blew my mind. And the soundtrack's phenomenal. Sure. And immediately spoke to my friend who had acquired it for the UK. Oh, okay. He put me in touch with the producers, and then we've been discussing it forever and ever, trying to get the contract right. Yeah. And now you know, just got the artwork approved, um, and I've been bugging my plant to do something special for it. Okay. So I really pushed. Like the guys who press my records, sure. And I think they hate me, but secretly they really like it. Right? They're like, "Oh, he's challenging us. Yeah, we got to get this yeah. done." Because I, you know, I've got, I've got a big <laughs> wish list of stuff I want to do. And, right, right. And, and I, I'm one of those people that thinks like, "Why can't you do that? I don't understand why you can't do that." Yeah, you know? this exists in my head. I mean, yeah. Why can't you make this happen? So, but you know, they're really great at you know they do crazy tests for me. And, yeah, you know, they, they're they're really good. So. It's really good to work with people like that. Of and, course. And the guys at DMS, Disc Manufacturing Services, are just the yeah. most amazing people. Well, it's cool because I, I just always like, I, I mean, the, the idea of obviously like controlling the vision of what it is that you're trying to do and then surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded and are able to help you execute what yeah. it is you want to do. Yeah. Like that, I mean, that's both of those steps. While it sounds like you can say it very easily, it's fucking hard yeah. to do. And so it's cool that you've obviously are like, all right, and make this massive life change, dedicate myself to the label and be like, this is like, this is what I'm doing for yeah. the, the unforeseeable future. Well, yeah, I know. And that's the scary thing. Sure. Because, of course. you know, you're like... You're taking a huge jump. Well, like, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, everything's a risk, especially in this day and age. Of course. Especially in the music industry or mm-hmm. film industry or yeah. any it, The industry. entertainment, the artistic industry yeah. as a whole. Yeah, I yeah. think, uh, you know, nothing's certain, which is, that's why, you know... Yeah, I wanted to not slam out loads of releases, but I wanted to like have a really healthy catalog in that first year, sure. where people would go, 
like with Devil's Business, which right. is my friend's film. Sure. Where they go, we're going to buy this because it's on Death Ranks. That was always my intention. So right. I can do newer, smaller films. Sure. And they may be smaller runs, but people will go, we got to buy this because right. we know the quality is really good. Right, right, right. And we're just about to step it up again. We're going to, from the, I've got, I've got 11 and 12 out. Uh-huh. on june 20th and that ends the second subscription okay service and then we have maniac and the fog coming out in between the second subscription service and the third subscription service sure and both maniac and the fog are using like a case band tip-on sleeves okay the old school really thick cardboard oh sure where the cover back cover is printed on separate paper and then glued on then glued on oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So amazing nice. and like pure quality sure sure so like we're gonna we're gonna start using that and and <laughs> i just love when when people no matter what it is that they're discussing when it's like to the level of intricacy where you're just like you're so pumped on these like inconsequential details to a normal person but yeah. you're just like this is fucking awesome. Yeah. This looks great. It's going to be great. Well, the big it's... thing for me was I never, on the spines of the records, yeah, yeah. I never wanted to have the title. I right. always wanted to have a quote from the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then not everyone picks up on that. Yeah. I guess not everyone is like looking at, right. every, at every angle. Right, every angle. Yeah, yeah. But you know, someone tweeted a picture with all the Death Watch stuff and they were like, right. I love it, all these quotes and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. So is that for me where it's, you're like, a, someone else gets it. Yeah. Yes. And because I'm a fan and because and I'm a collector. Right. To me, that I always thought that would be really good. And then when we did They Live, mm-hmm. everyone obviously was would have thought we'd have put, you know. Kick ass. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, right. We did. And, and, and people were like, oh, you didn't put that on there. And I was like, yeah, because, you know. What? That was too obvious. It's too obvious. Yeah. yeah. Ban- bands have used it on T-shirts. Like, hey, come on. We can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's all that stuff is like really great. And then I do listen to feedback. From customers, yeah, and you know, from fans of the label, and and so I know we've noticed that even though everything's shrink wrapped and, and really tightly done, and when we ship things abroad, they do you do get seam splits on them. Oh sure. So we're changing the inner sleeves. Okay. To yeah, yeah. to a poly lined black inner sleeve. Oh okay. So they won't. I'm definitely you know cognizant of yeah, yeah. Of, of not. Criticism, but genuine, you know, this is obviously a problem because 20 people have said. Right. This, this would improve what you're doing. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of it from that. Yeah. Because you couldn't have thought of that because you didn't do you it don't, yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Learning so, process, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the next two, Twins of Evil, which is our first Hammer title, uh-huh. and House by the Cemetery, which is our next kind of Leisure Fortune yeah. title, they look amazing, but then that's it for this design. So sure. it was, and that was always a thing that, I wanted to change the design every six records, oh, okay. which is not as easy as... No, 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 not at all. You, it seems think. like you're like, oh, it's a template, just plug it in there, and yeah. it's just like... But coming up with that initial awesome yeah. quote-unquote template, it's not easy. Yeah. I think we're going to change color of the sleeves. Okay. We're going to go, like, just change it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, to me, and, I, you know, I've got... Although I, use, I have all my artists who do, like, amazing cover artwork and stuff. Sure. There's a friend of mine who actually I've met through Rough Trade because he's their kind of um, artistic director. director yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, his name's Tim, Tim Fowler of April Design. And he, man, he's awesome. Yeah. Like, he puts my stuff together. 
Like I send him terribly hand-drawn bits of paper. Yeah, and, and he makes it look pop. I want this, and he just does it. And for the longest time, and I never really was 100% happy with it, the, uh-huh. the, the centre label was just the death waltz with a side AR. Oh, yeah. And then he's come up with this just like, it yeah. just looks beautiful and classic. It's awesome. With all the info on it, it's so, so good. You're just excited about all the things moving forward, and that is is the best place you can be. Yeah, and Tim Tim loves working on this stuff as well because awesome. he gets he gets to do stuff that he, I guess he wouldn't generally. Yeah, you can get out in do. an outlet. Yeah, yeah. And create stuff. So, well, I really appreciate the time, dude. I mean, this has been fun for me. Yeah, of course. Cool. Enjoy the video as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> nice to just ramble up. All right, there you go. There is Spencer Death Waltz Records. Just Google that. Uh, and you'll be able to find the record label pretty easily. And when I say waltz, it's like the dance. So Death Waltz Recordings Records. Yeah, I celebrate the entire catalog. I think I bought almost every single release. So if you are into any of that, then you would more likely than not have the same sort of passion that I do for that. So dive right in. Join in my nerdiness obsession over things that are pretty inconsequential when you boil it down to the simplest of terms. Anyways propertyofzack.com 100wordspodcast.com our editor is Tom Richfield and uh, yeah on that note I will talk to you next week I've got another exciting episode as every episode because I mean aren't they all exciting (laughs) some are more exciting to others but anyways I will talk to you then goodbye Turn stone, now they're grinding down your teeth.